Well, we thank you for the privilege of bringing you the word this morning. Uh, I always enjoy coming out to our brethren's brethren here at the OPC Church and uh, enjoy preaching to you and uh, always uh, get a lot of good questions and everything. So uh, I want to encourage you now to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And we'll pray uh, after we read the scriptures here. Luke chapter 1. And we'll start with verse 5. I, uh, uh, let's stand as we read. I, I, I was talking to the elders beforehand and apologizing for the length of the passage. And they said, don't worry about it. We've had others like that too. So, so, so let's, uh, let's listen here for this is God's word. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Babajad. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. Both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before the Lord, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the house, of, of, out, of, outside at the hour of incense. And appear, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell, uh, fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard and your wife Elizabeth will Bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will joy, have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he, will, he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from even his mother's birth. And he will turn away many of the, uh, turn back, uh, excuse me, and he will turn many of the children of Israel, to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of of just to make ready for the Lord a, a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will not be able to, uh, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at that time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering as to lay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them uh, uh, and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me. To take away my reproach among the people. 
And now let's turn over to uh, our next section of scripture, which is found in um, John 1, 57. Now the time came that for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to the circumcised the child, and they, had, uh, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, you shall call, uh, he shall be called John. And, and they said to her, None of your relatives are called by that name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet. He wrote, His name is John. And they were all one, and they were all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loose, and he spoke, blessing God. And, he, and fear came upon all their neighbors, and all those things that were talked about through through the whole uh, hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid down, uh, laid them up in their hearts, saying, "What then shall this child be?" For the hand of the Lord is with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. And we have been delivered from the hand of our enemies and might might serve him without fear and holiness and and righteousness before him all the days. And you shall will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord as to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God, uh, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word that's before us. We pray that you would use this word to turn our hearts to yourself. And Father, that you would do heart surgery on this morning to us this morning to, to hear the word and to change our lives. For us in Christ's name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Um. Let me get to my notes here. Oh, there. One of the great fears of any preacher is to be looking for your notes and can't find them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I served my last church for 15 years. That's a long time. And, uh, you know, I asked one of the elders this morning how long Zach had been here, about five years. And um, one of the great fears that a minister has that has served a church for that long is what to preach for Advent. Because after you go for about ten years, you've done it all. 
And, and then you wonder, well, can I re-preach something that they won't remember? And, and, and sometimes you say, well, I, maybe I can get away with that. Maybe I can't. But I knew that there was a lady in our congregation that kept a meticulous note of every pre- section that I preached on and what date it was. So she knew if I preached anything uh, again. She knew immediately what I did. So uh, I remember being in a group of uh, ministers. We had a ministerial meeting one day. And, uh, and one of the guys, I said, guys, are y'all having trouble? Because they all had been in churches about the same time. Are y'all having trouble coming to something different this year? And they said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then guys, the guy pulled up a book and said, but I found this. And it was a book of sermons that John Calvin did on the songs of Christmas. And I said, there's no way I can be wrong on this one. And this is one of those sermons. This is, uh, it was well received by our congregation. Because a song is a way to really purvey your heart. And here we hear the heart of Zechariah. Someone that never thought he'd have a son. Now has a son. And not only his son, he's been told his son's going to do well. You know, we all hope that, all fathers here, all mothers, that your sons and daughters do well in life. But he is, he's been told that this son will be the precursor to the Messiah. To the Messiah. And so let's, uh, let's dig into our passage this morning. And let's look at what God is teaching us. Let's look, let's look at that first passage that we read. Uh, the story of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, in verse 5, we see that uh, the Lord certainly has blessed them. They're a godly couple, but they have no children. And let me remind you, in that day and age, children were often seen as a reward or faithful service. That, uh, and because the people didn't have a child, they would constantly wonder, what have we done wrong? Or why do not? Why don't we have children? And an angel appeared to Zechariah. He was taking his turn to, to work in uh, in the temple. The angel appeared to him. Uh, angel that is named Gabriel. We find that later in the passage, which means my, uh, mighty God, mighty of God. And also note this: that there are only two names of angels in the Bible, Michael and Gabriel. Okay. So this is important. This is an important uh, angel that we have here. So he's, he, he comes to Zechariah and he tells Zechariah that he's going to have a child, and that his name will be John. That he will uh, his birth will be uh, accomplished with great joy, accompanied with great joy and celebration. Of course, an older couple not having a child. Uh, we have two friends. Um, uh, back in a church that I first served in, uh, the, the, uh, they were both in the late 40s. They'd had children, thought everything was okay. And, and so uh, uh, one day, both of them, both the wives, became pregnant the same week at 49. <laughs> at 49. Now, those... and, and and the, the husbands, after they picked them off the floor, um, were, were, were ecstatic about this. Uh, but it's, it's funny because both of the families, their, their oldest sons had just completed boot camp. 
And now they're going to have a baby coming into the house. And, uh, and so, but there was, it was incredible to see the joy of that congregation as these two late-in-life children were born. I mean, to say that they partied is a, is, doesn't tell what they went through. These, these kids were, were, uh, were, were celebrated. And so it is with John and so it was with John here, with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it said that he would be great with the Lord, uh, that he should not touch any wine or alcohol, and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And he will bring the people to the Lord. He will prepare a way, and we find later on in the passage, for the Messiah to come. You know, that's a lot to hear. You're in the temple. This angel's talking to you. He tells you all this wonderful news about the son you never thought you would have. And and all of Zechariah could say was, uh, I'm not sure about this. You know, we're old. We're old folks. We're not going to have children anymore. Our friends had uttered that same phrase about a year before. No more children. Yay, we're going to have a lot of life. It's going to be fun. Yeah, not saying that children aren't fun, but but you know what I'm talking about. So, so, and Gabriel looks at at, at Zechariah and said, "I'm the messenger of God. I serve in the presence of God, and I tell you something. You better listen." And so, because you don't listen, you don't speak. So, none of what was said could he tell anybody. At least in his own voice. Maybe he wrote it down, I don't know. But yet, suddenly this wonderful news, he couldn't tell anybody. See, Zechariah, in his unbelief, is unable to speak during the entire pregnancy. Unable to say anything. And so, as we look at that, we see the consequences of unbelief sometimes. A lack of trust in the word of God can keep us from seeing his works and telling his works. Uh, if you look back in 2 Kings six fifteen, the story of Elisha and the, his servant, uh, the king of Syria comes after Elisha, and his servant is afraid. The king's army surrounding the town where they are. And, and Elisha is sitting there just, uh, uh, just, just biding his time. And the servant walks in and basically is panicking. Said, what are we going to do? They're surrounding the town where everything is up. And Elisha looks at the servant and, and then prays. And he said, Lord, open this man's eyes so he can see what's around us. And it's seeing, instead of seeing the, the army of the Syrians, he also sees the army of God surrounding them. Well, the army of the Syrians cannot get into the town. So sometimes unbelief keeps us from seeing what's really there. Unbelief keeps us from seeing what is really there. And we are called to trust when the Lord calls us to serve. We're often, we often miss blessings due to this lack of trust. You see, Zechariah here was an important part of the plan. But, but him agreeing to it wasn't part of it. He was, he was uh, you know, we, uh, 
we often use this phrase in, in, modern, in modern linguistics. Uh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me? I, you know, if, we, if it meant the day, I'm sure that's what he even said. And, and the angel says, no, I'm not kidding you. You're not speaking until the baby comes. And that's exactly what's happened here. That's exactly what happens. But Elijah's faith, uh, all this happening is not depending on his faith. It depends on what God has called and said would happen. You know, I've learned that over the years as a minister, as, and moving up here and working with international students and doing things with internationals. I've learned that my faith can be very fragile. But yet, when God works, he works. It doesn't depend on my faith. Sometimes I just sit and watch. In fact, I was telling someone, uh, a supporter the other day, he had said, what's the most amazing thing you've ever seen? Is that I said, when people come to know the Lord, I didn't have anything to do with it. That I just provided the means uh, a Bible study. And one day... Uh, I have a Vietnamese friend who has just gotten married in Vietnam. <clears throat> and we were talking one day on, on, on Zoom. And, and uh, I noticed he had started using this, these phrases instead of you. And uh, he started using us. And I said, Trey, why are you calling, uh, you know, you're, you're using... Like, you belong to something. He said, well, I do. I said, I became a Christian a year ago. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I became a Christian a year ago. And, and I was sitting there almost in my unbelief that he did. But as I look back, I could see it little by little as he came to know Christ. And we'll baptize him sometime in the next few months. So what we've seen is the story that has gone through this section here. And, and now we come to Zechariah's song. Uh, in verse, uh, verse 57, we had the story of the birth, uh, John's birth and the unleashing of, of the praise that Zechariah has for his newborn son. It says that the time came, the birth was, was, uh, was done. Uh, people were, were partying about this. They were rejoicing at this. and um, But they were going to name the son Zachariah after his father. And Elizabeth said, no. We're going to name him John. Uh, well, this, is, this must be a good southern uh, uh, Israelite family. Because, you know, in southern families, we often name people the same name. I, you know, I... I'm, I'm a junior. My son is a third. He swears he's going to have a fourth, you know, and and that's what happens. And, and the, the assumption his here is that he's going to be named after someone in the family. And Elizabeth says no. And they, they asked Zachariah, who still cannot speak, and he had to write out, name him John. Name him John. And so he begins to speak, and after the son is is. As, as birth, and he, he, he begins to talk about what this son is going to do. And that gives us to the song. The song that is, that is given his name, the song of Zechariah. And, and verse 67, 
And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. And, you know, he, he first of all, he starts talking about the Messiah that would come. That, this, that John would be the herald of this Messiah. And this, this horn uh, is a horn that they blow as celebration, as, as a symbol of strength, indicating salvation is from a mighty God. And this Messiah would come from the house of David. He would come from the house of David. And so his son will be the herald for this Messiah that would come uh, to, to save his people. And what a rejoicing thing, you know, when, when you have sons and daughters that do well. Uh, you know, my son just got his master's. And um, I, I was the first person in my family to ever get a master's uh, in its entire history. And so my son is the second one. And I'm so proud of him because, you know, you might, many of you know my son. He has cerebral palsy. And some difficulty getting around, yet he persevered and now has his masters. And so the same thing is with Zechariah and his son, the, uh, the, the father giving, uh, prophesying for his son what the son will end up doing and what the son will be heralding to this world. And, and, and so what we've seen here is the John's birth. And, his, and the praise of what he would do, or the praise of the Messiah that would come. And that the promise would, would come, that Messiah would come before the Lord. And look with me in verse seven, uh, in 70. As he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from the old. In other words, what is about to happen has been prophesied. What is about to happen has been prophesied through the, all the Old Testament. Let's, let's let me run through a few things here. In, in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord will raise up a prophet uh, that would be a Messiah. In Psalm, uh, Psalm 110, he'll be a ruler and a priest. In Jeremiah 33, 35, he will come from the house of David. Uh, uh, in Daniel 7, 13, he will have an everlasting kingdom. And all these things are just some of the things that were prophesied about what the Messiah would do and what he would be. And this Messiah would come and he would be true to his word. He would be true to his word. It's, uh, let me go back and read that same section. As he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old, and we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy, the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant. In other words, this is the fulfillment of the covenant of God. This is the Messiah that was promised, that would come and came. And his name, of course, we know as Jesus. The Messiah that has come and has brought all the promises. Now look at some of the things he says here. That, that is the mercy promise. In other words, we are promised mercy. You know, uh, we were talking about that word one day in the office and about what mercy really means and, and how 
we shouldn't be ashamed asking for mercy. Because that's what God provides. He has provided the way for mercy for us. And that is Jesus, his son. And he has sent him for that very reason. The reason that we do uh, Advent. The reason that we celebrate his birth. is the fact that he has brought mercy to those who would be unmerciful. He has brought mercy to us. That we can live a life of forgiven sinners. And we have received mercy. And because we have received mercy, we extend mercy to others. We extend mercy to others. And, and through all of this, the, this Messiah will be faithful to the Lord. He will be faithful to the word. Look with me in, uh, in verses... Um, uh, let's start in, in 73. The oath they swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we may, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Get that. Serve him without fear. You know, when, when you read about all the other gods of the Old Testament, all the pagan gods, everybody was always afraid of them. All the time. Uh, and because they were capricious gods, they would change their mind. They would change their minds. They, would, they were gods that you couldn't count on. But yet, the Lord is bringing a Messiah that will take away that fear from us, that will take away the fear of service from, him, from us, that we may serve Him without fear. You know, even in the, in the temple, there was always a fear that you would do something wrong as a priest. And Zechariah knew that. And that God would judge you. But Jesus came as a perfect sacrifice and did away with all that fear. And opened the way up into the very holy of holies. You know, I think during the um, Easter season, I think... One of my favorite scenes is the curtain being torn in two. Because it says so much. It says that suddenly a place that we could not go because of our sin, but because of Jesus, we can boldly go forth. I always wondered what they did with the temple. I mean, with the, with the curtain in the temple at that time. And when I go to heaven, I'm going to ask. You know, and because what did they do? Well, I guess, I guess they sewed it back up. But suddenly the way was open for the people who know Jesus to walk through boldly into the presence of the almighty God. That doesn't cause chills to come up on your spine. I don't know what else will. Here we can serve him without fear. Without fear. That he will provide a way for us to be holy and righteous. I don't know about you. Uh, when I think of holiness, I don't, often don't think of myself. You know, I think of somebody else. Uh, you know, I, my wife and I are going to um, London uh, in January. It's a belated 30-year anniversary trip that COVID got two years ago. 
and we're going, we're going to spend 10 days in London, and uh, we're going to go out and visit a gentleman by the name of Christopher Catherwood. And Christopher uh, is an author. He ended up marrying my former InterVarsity staff worker from our days at Winthrop College years and years and years ago. And she's dead. She died of Parkinson's disease a few years ago. And I, I contacted him. I said, I would love to meet you. He said, well, he, he teaches at Cambridge. He said, come on out to Cambridge, and I'll show you around. And, and so it's so neat that I'm going to meet this guy. But not only this, for those of y'all who know this guy's name, uh, ever heard of a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones? Christopher is his grandson. And so we are going to be able, when I think of someone that was holy, I think of Christopher, I think of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I can't wait to sit down with Christopher and just tell me the stories about your grandfather. You know, tell me what he was like and, and things like that. But I don't often think of myself. But yet here, the, the Messiah, Jesus, will provide a way that we will all be holy before the Lord and righteous before the Lord. And, and, and that exciting to hear these words from the mouth of Zechariah? That this is what the Messiah would do. And now Zechariah gets to, to around to what his son will do. Uh, look with me in verse uh, 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. In other, wor- in other words, John will preach the way of salvation and the coming of the Messiah. He will go before the Lord. He will go before uh, Jesus. And, and they will meet, but only briefly. But yet he will prepare the people, gain them ready for, for the Lord to come. For the Lord to come and to bring salvation to his people. Uh, you see, the Lord of mercy will, uh, in, in fact, let's look at the rest of that. It says, uh, says this, um, to give knowledge of salvation in 77, knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, therefore the sunrise shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And it says here, the Lord of, of mercy will give us a way in. He will be, uh, as it said, uh, a sunrise. The Messiah comes from heaven as a sunrise. And, you know, in, in the olden days, new reigns of kings were often referred to as a dawning of a new sun. Dawning of a new light. The Messiah will shine the light into the darkness and show men the path of peace to God. And that peace will be through his resurrection from the dead. That is what John will herald. The kind of of Messiah that will do it all for us. It's Jesus plus nothing, guys. He will do it all for us. Um, Now, how do I apply all this? I, I promise to give the, the people coming behind us some time to get in here and everything. So I'll, let me 
begin the, the close here. Uh, first, first application point. We need to realize that the first advent has come and we are the heralds of the second advent. Guys, in every church meeting, we should always end it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because we're the heralds of the second advent. The church is there for that. To point to people said that Jesus has come, but yet he will come again. And you should set your accounts right. Because he is coming again. So we are the heralds of the second advent. Just like John was the heralds of the first, we are the heralds of the second. Secondly, uh, this is a great time to show others how Jesus fulfilled the scriptures in his first advent. By what? By yourself. You know, Christmas is, is a great time of year. But the, I, but the real meaning of Christmas can get lost in all the stuff. All the celebration. And we need to tell people the fact that Christmas lives in us every day. Every day. All the time. We carry Christmas with us because we carry the Messiah with us. The Messiah that came, the Messiah that was prophesied here. And he came. And because he came, we are different. So wherever you go this Christmas season, never think that Christmas is not coming with you. That's only secular stuff. As long as you're there, the true meaning of Christmas is there. Get that, guys. Get that idea around, around everything. And finally, Christ is truly our rising sun so that we can show others our light. Uh, a friend of mine, James Ward, uh, a Christian songwriter, wrote a song called um, um, Morning Sun. And Jim uh, is, used to work in a church in, in Chattanooga, <clears throat> was thinking about a song that he could, he could teach children to sing uh, and, uh, for Easter. And he came up with this, uh, this, this song called Morning Sun. And in the PCA hem, uh, Trinity Hymn Book, it's there. It's, uh, it's, it's there. It's, uh, he, he wrote it back in, I think, uh, 1977. And uh, one of the, the refrain goes like this. Rising like the morning sun, give, giving hope to everyone who knows him. Praise the Lord, his work is done. Jesus is our morning sun. In our last quote, in our last thing, he talks about whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. So the sunrise has been with us, guys. Everywhere we go, the light goes with us. For Jesus is the light of the world. And he goes before us as the light. Never take a bowl and put over the light, but always let it shine forth, especially this time of year. Greatest time of year to introduce people to Jesus. Um, when I was working in another church, my first church, we had a Christmas Eve service. 
And believe it or not, over a 10-year period, we had more people come to Christ in that service than any other service. In the Year's Eve service. And why? Because everything was laid back, stripped away, and all they see was Jesus coming and why he came. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you that uh, you're, you're with us, Lord, in whatever we do. And we pray, Lord, that as you continue to be with us, we pray that, you would, that we would take that morning sun out to all those around us. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.